This is Naked by the Future Farm, where entrepreneurship is stripped to its vulnerable core. Brought to you by Vladimesh Kobrestinska and Nectarios Lolios. And remember to subscribe, follow and rate Naked to help us share it with the world. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Nick. Hi, Nectarios. We Hi, did not ignore you guys. Uh, hello, okay. hello. Hmm, it's a different entree today. Um, we we were also chatting with Nectarius just now. We were chatting together about the how sort of we manage different times and relationship to time and being punctual or not. And um, I was coming from this call that I just mentioned, which was a well-being series. We introduced like a well-being series. Actually, I wanted to tell you guys about it and uh, with our NIM team. And at first it was like a little awkward-ish because, you know, just even different understanding of what well-being means for everybody. And, and then after we did the whole hour, like the energy of the call was just so high. It was beautiful to see. Like it, it was one of the moments that gave me such a good heartwarming feeling that people do want to look into themselves and, you know, so it was sort of living what we preach. We don't preach what we talk about here on Naked as well. So, so yeah, wanted to share that. So you came from this high energy, really nice call. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I said was, you kept me waiting. <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed. indeed. Well done. Well done. But that's the roller coaster. That's the roller coaster. Um, speaking of roller coasters. So. Wow, we... what an elegant segue. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We wanted to talk today with all of you. About a massive roller coaster, which is related to what both of us are currently going through in our ventures, and also what a lot of you and our guests on Naked do share with us as one of the key stressors. And that's sort of the investor investee dynamic. And how do we experience not just fundraising per se, but um, the relationship with investors and the values alignment and different bits and pieces that come to it. So that's what we want to address today. And we'll tell you why, uh, but it's something very, very important for us at the Future Farm. And yeah, it's also very present in our lives right now. Um, how do you feel about that, Nectarius? I know that I gave this context, um, but maybe we can become a little bit more personal again. It's, it's, uh, yeah, you, Drew, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago, describes an entrepreneurship as jumping off a cliff and building the parachute as you fall down, right? Mm. And I think it's a pretty visual, mm. uh, a pretty good image to kind of visualize what the experience is. And, and when you're in the process of fundraising, because you need somebody to financially support you and share the vision and the dream to, to, to make it big. Then you start talking to people that you want to excite about what you do, but ultimately they also want to convince them that you are the best person to do this. Uh, and I've raised money before, but never VC money for my own business. So this is the first time that I'm actually going knocking on doors of investors and saying, hey, can you please invest in me and the people around me? And it's been a very painful experience. Mm. And although I've been supporting and accompanying companies before, and really loads of them, I've seen the ups and downs. I never really 
fully understood what it means because at some point it gets a bit personal uh and it well you didn't sorry you just you just said going and asking people to invest in me and people around me and it immediately shook me i was like okay that is very personal but that's what we're doing right especially Mm. okay going straight into this so (laughs) the biggest frustration i have i have many frustrations with the venture capital world um because i have I sometimes question the motivations of the individuals in the companies. I wonder how much they really understand what we are doing or what startups are doing or how much they really care um, Mm. about about the details of the business. Uh, And of course, it's a business that is built to make more money, right? It's risk capital. But the thing that frustrates me most at the moment is we're talking about early stage VCs. We're raising a pre-seed round. And every single early stage we see will say, we invest in the team, we invest in the people. And that does mean that when you go to them and say, hey, we're a bunch of people who have mm-hmm. all done great things in the past and we've come together to build this new thing and we do think it's, it's amazing. And then they go, well, we're not sure about the business. And you go, which bit of investing in the people and the confidence that they will figure it out if you give them a bit of money along the way? have I missed? Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I, intellectually, I know that of course it's not personal, but emotionally I can't detach it. I, yeah. I really yeah. struggle. Yeah. I hear you. It's that stage of uh, where you are, where, as you say, like people tell you is the team, but then they comment on your business um, and you're like, okay, is that really about me or is that about the business or where mm-hmm. is this something you share within within the team like your co-founders I mean, or we we, we yeah. talk about it we talk about mm. it at the beginning we thought mm. because we've all been around for a while we're going to be quite cheeky and practically try and fundraise with one slide which is just a team slide <laughs> which would have been mm-hmm. even more hey we're not going to tell you the details just invest in us and trust us Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's been cases where people in the past said, look, Taris, you've been around for a while. Whenever you do your own fintech, I'm going to invest. No questions asked. And now you go, okay, here's what we're building. People go, well, I'm not so sure if I've got the money or if I'm blah, blah, blah. So it's a lot of blah, blah. But ultimately, the whole thing leads to me just having an even more kind of more pessimistic view on how venture capital firms look at their investments and the people they invest in because um, I, I do think that they don't really and i'm generalizing it broadly of course there's very little care about the individual and the effect it has on individuals mm-hmm. which goes back to michael freeman and do you care about founders as people right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what is your experience because mm-hmm. you've been doing this for a little bit longer yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the things <laughs> that it's taking longer than um, I think, not that I hoped for or wished for, but m- longer than I thought it will. So that was one of the um, takeaways, or it is one of the takeaways that is certainly impacting also our sense of well-being as a team, as a founding team, and also myself. Um, I think for me, the experience has lots of positives and they're coming mostly from the personal learnings um and also that some of the triggers from the fundraising process became nudges for deeper learning about each other within our founding team 
So that I take as a positive, although it was painful or sometimes it is still painful and hard, I take that as a positive. Um, and on a personal level, it certainly has been a massive learning curve. Like I had no idea what I'm walking into fundraising for tech company in emerging market like Pakistan. Um, and then you have this whole array of factors that are out of your control, like the COVID, like now the economic crisis and the war with Ukraine, which massively impacts um, your goals, right? And, and the sort of whole experience. So maybe bridging from there, that also became, whilst that was learning and it was positive because it just, I guess, gave me, it enriched my growth as a person. If I take it away from, if I detach myself from that, just, you know, fundraising for Neem, have we succeeded? Um, I think that in terms of the stressors, there were a few things for sure. Um, one of the things was exactly that ambiguity and how do you deal with the out of control elements? Because I, when I set myself with goals, I can like hustle. And I know we don't like the hustle word here, but you know, when you, I can get even in a, in a flow with fundraising. I really like that building that relationship, exploring each other, dating, seeing. I actually quite like that. Um, but when your process gets disturbed by some of the things that again are out of your own control, it's again that whew, this is a, this is a hard learning. And I know this is important. I have to learn. And it's that sort of emotional resistance that you are building because often it brings you 10 step backs, right? You nearly feel you are there and suddenly something big hits and everybody's like, mm, we are not doing any more investments. And you're doing like, okay, what are my other avenues? So in some way, it's been a journey of speeding and then sort of putting brakes by all kinds of different factors and then speeding again and a break and speed. So like that dynamic has been happening a lot for me. And mentally and emotionally, I remember, I remember the first time and you and I actually, I think we even talked about it on Naked. Um, when I thought we all, we have it. And this is like three months ago, I think. And we, we were expecting this really great investor to write a massive check and just close the round for us. And we were so excited just to focus on building and go. And from one day to another, we received an email. There was a reason why they decided to say no. And I remember we were all, the, the drop was so deep, like the jump from, from the rocks. And it took a while to put yourself back together. So since then, it has happened a few more times. We've got number of yeses and we've got number of no's, a lot of no's, a lot of no responses. And I, was, I have been trying to work on shortening that period of decomposing myself again and being able to hit the road and be like, okay, what are my options? Because I'm focused on that North Star. So I think that that experience of like that emotional, that's why I said maybe a roller coaster, but in some way I was thinking about a car where you like speed and you brake and speed and brake. So, and you are like, how do I feel about this? So that's, that's sort of how it feels a little bit for me. Um, 
there are many more things, but maybe that's this was the main one. I mean, ultimately, we're having this conversation because we want to shed a light on when we talk about entrepreneurship being hard, it's different things, right? Mm. It's running your business and not getting money, not not making money or having to let people go or external market conditions. That's one side, right? Which is like the tough stuff of the business. You need to pivot and you need to be nimble and all that. But the other side is either raising money. Yeah. Uh, which is something if you end up going for a VC-backed, venture-backed business, you have to do all the time, right? You, you, it never stops. You raise a seed round, you next, next, next round, and you B and you C and whatever. Right? Um, then the other side comes also then, once you've raised the money with the expectations of the VCs and the business, and a lot of people we've spoken to talk a lot about how the real pressures really started when they had to, yeah, had to just mm. report and, and mm. have people scrutinize every expense and some are more hands-on than others, right? Uh, but I think we found ourselves ultimately by chance in a situation that we're both raising early stage money, right? Yeah, yeah. And and that's something that uh, is a lot of people don't really talk much about. Yeah, but you know when you said about the reporting, like it, like I could feel the heaviness because we do have this conversation with my co-founders, and uh, at least one of them is like experienced in sort of running VC back ventures and stuff. Or I mean, Jim has been an investor, so there's some sort of a past experience that we can lean back on. But still, there is like I could feel it in my stomach that now it's in some ways like it's not a fun part at all but I do enjoy the process but when I imagine when I sort of try to feel a feeling about they're on board and now they set the KPIs and the metrics and uh, god forbid that we will have people where we will not be aligned and I think that's another thing I wanted to touch upon is that alignment value value-based alignment and it does happen because sometimes even like market like Pakistan it's beautiful that more investors are looking into this but Honestly, you might find yourself in a situation where you do need the money because of everything you said. You don't want to, I mean, you want to continue, like you want to build, you want to grow your team, all of that. And there might be money where do you compromise, right? I mean, that question, am I going to mm-hmm. compromise? How how big am I going to compromise? Where do I need them? And um, if you get people who are going to run after you because of some hypergrowth or financial metrics primarily and the other parts are overlooked that's that that feels hard like yeah just from imagining it but also from hearing it from some of the people who are on naked um like one of our very first guests monique where she was talking about the relationship with investor and um how hard and sort of harmful it was for her um yeah so that that yeah, that's scary. That's scary. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to share, which was about which has happened through the process, which also had an impact on. In some way, I questioned a little bit my abilities, and which then goes into imposter syndrome, and you know, like, am I good enough to sit around this table and talk to all of those people and stuff? Which I generally feel okay about, but it was this one incident where there was a investor who I reached out to so I do a lot of cold calling and this also comes maybe that's a derail I just want to say that I thought at first that we are going to lean back on our warm leads and we are going to you know do it 
I guess maybe similar way that what you shared and that was not the case. It was, was much, or it is much more difficult. So I very actively went into cold calling, which means really having a CRM of hundreds of investors and you're really putting yourself out there and your business. And I had a very confident and clear mind about this, why I'm doing this and it did convert. So I'm still a big, big proponent and I would certainly recommend, please do it. And the reason for it is that I also believe it's like democratizing access to finances and right the financial capital because I don't have all of those connections. So when I got a response from one call call investor saying, "Hey, you know, we're going to look at this, but we prioritize the warm leads, and you should try to use better your network." I mm. it took me by surprise, and I think that's. That's like I'm. I'm saying it in a very light way. I was like, yeah, it, it, yeah, it didn't lend well. Let's put it that way. And I was sort of exploring myself. How do I feel about it? And at first, I was shocked because I was like, it's near like when somebody slaps you on your fingers. It's like, hey, you know what are you doing? Like, use your network. Like, it was something about like the best investors. Sorry, the, one of the best founders are those who raise by utilizing their network. So, right. So my reflection was like, okay, so I don't belong to that club. And then I gave it a thought and I was like, this doesn't, you know, I wanted to swear Mm. now, but (laughs) it it doesn't, it doesn't resonate because I was thinking, and and what I want to say is that this investor, I think we developed a relationship. He's a really nice person. He, I know that his intention was not harmful. So I want to make that clear also in case he's listening, but not, you know, I just genuinely, but that incident made me think because I was like, what is this about? Like, not everybody has connections and we should democratize the access. And why are you making me feeling like an imposter? Um, So that was an interesting, you know, incident that made me first sort of reflect, like, do I belong here? And then also about my values like an an approach right like how do I want to show up in this process and I realized that I still want to show up in that way of reaching out to people and you know being out there because not just because I don't have the connections just because I think it's it's fair and it should be fair and should be equal Mm. and open to everybody so it angered me also you know at Mm. some point it did it it, it angered me yeah I was or I had anger or whatever the English word but uh, but ultimately what you're what you're saying is that people in a position of power mm. have the license to say whatever they want because they know that they've got nothing to lose. I mean, that's part of the frustration and part of the thing we want to change is really just getting people who sit on the other side of the table to be maybe a little bit more aware how some of the things that they say, maybe some things that might not even be the most digested, most reflected things, just have an impact on people. And it's not about entrepreneurs do you remember the very beginning where some of the people that we've spoken to said to us when we did our, our study before we launched it's like well it's part of the game and if entrepreneurs can handle it they're not built for this right yep. yep 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 and 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 there is something that i'm still kind of referring back to and i'm going this is just such an such a short-sighted statement because mm. as you said, you overcame that that moment of anger and you built a relationship with somebody because they also gave you the benefit of the doubt and you ended up talking. But there is a piece here that I just find so infuriating um, where 
we've heard from quite a few investors that they ultimately don't care how their entrepreneurs feel because they want them to be resilient and tough and all the other BS words that people are used. It's hard enough yeah. to build the business as it is, right? I mean, I'm, I'm at the moment, I'm struggling with this discrepancy because when we talk to our potential clients, the people who will benefit from what we do and the people we'll work with to get there, there's excitement and energy and people like we had, our business is a B2B DC business. So when we talked to one of our business partners, potential business partners they want to run a pilot with and told them what we do, they said, the, the statement was practically, where, where have you been all our life? Mm. It was really like you're doing something that we mm. didn't even know we needed, right? Mm -hmm. So you get this energy mm -hmm. and this excitement and you build and then you go <laughs> and, and open your hand and say to somebody, can you give me some money to help this thing that people want, have built it? And then you get all these this attitude um, and mm. and you know we talked about a little bit you mentioned imposter syndrome um, and um, and we talked about the, the age gap in the past but sometimes I'm on the opposite side where I'm, I'm talking to an associate at a venture capital firm who's mm. fresh of college maybe a year or two in the job where they go through the structured questionnaire because they have to and I'm trying to be compassionate and nice and patient but I'm thinking seriously do we have to do this so mm -hmm. i also need to battle my own arrogance and ego and all that stuff oh, I hear and you. It's, it's just not a very healthy way of doing it so i want people to be more mindful that this is still a people business and no matter how attractive the business is you still invest in the people to run this especially for people who do this for the first time and yeah, sorry, I think I went on a bit of a tangent here. The point you said about access is an interesting one, right? Because I have to say, for me, this was a very obvious privilege-driven blind spot. Because my capital is my relationships, right? Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for mm -hmm. a while, so I know people, and I instantly go, okay, that's how my brain works. Who do I know who can help, right? And the first time I realized that people don't have access, very much like what you describe it. Yeah. It's like not everybody has those warm leads yeah. and not everybody has even access to people who can like even three steps removed. Right. It was a real, real blind spot that, that I had where, where I was just became aware of my privileged position. And then you start digging deeper. And of course, the people who have least access are people from different ethnic backgrounds. It's women. Mm -hmm. It's, mm -hmm. it's all the people who are not part of the old, the old boys network the patriarchy yeah, all the clubs yeah yeah all the clubs there you go <laughs> no it's very it's, it's absolute re reality and it's like you know in our combination of three co-founders we do have a lot of connections but still i realize i even even though we have that one is i i think i wanted to go beyond that because there was something even itching me inside but so we explore those then I wanted to go beyond and then we also had to. And I think that was the moment when I realized that, you know, there is different way of engaging with people. Not to be only on the sort of, you know, let's say not so positive experiences side. Like I just wanted to mention, like I was reaching out in this way to really one of the premier VC funds. And one I, I really love, I look up to, they do a great, great work in different kinds of areas. Like they seem like they really care. And um, when I reached out, I was absolute call calling. And I was like, there is no way whatsoever that they will come back to me. And I think it was like two days. I got this beautiful paragraph from one of their partners saying, very personalized. 
And I don't want to be so naive that, that he didn't have it like pre-written, but honestly, I didn't care because it was so beautifully written, uh, saying or giving me a feeling. He left me with a feeling that he did care. He was grateful that I reached out. He sort of encouraged me to keep going with the venture and said, look, if there is something specific, even though we can't invest because it's not within our remit of thesis, et cetera, happy to help. And I, I was just like, he made my day. And he also made me feel positive about that. There are actually plenty of people who are genuinely within that space and we are on the same boat together. So one more reason why I believe you and I and our team and we are Future Farm and our extended ecosystem um, sort of want to put more emphasis on, hey, this is, it's not a game, but we are in this together. Um, we are partners to each other. And how can we as Future Farm help the investors to actually think about this and integrate it, implement, do some action, be more self-aware. And uh, maybe it's a nice way to also share with you guys an exciting sort of update that um, for some time we've been one observing and experiencing this ourselves and learning about the ecosystem, but we knew that we wanted to do something. We didn't want to only stay in the space of sort of pointing fingers whilst we also feel that that's important and be activists. Um, there is an action part that is coming and we have been developing uh, a sort of a beautiful project that we want to, or the goal is to launch in few months or weeks. Actually, when this is going to be released, it will be a few weeks. So the goal is to help educate as many investors globally as possible on what it means to be more compassionate as an investor and what it means to know yourself better as an investor and what your role is towards better health of your founders, whether the ones that you meet in your fundraising or those that you invest in and you work with. So we are very excited. And although it's hard work, so we might be also a little exhausted. Um, but yeah, very excited to launch. So keep your eyes open and please do reach out. If this is something that interests you, please do reach out to us. We are always happy to talk, whether you're a founder or an investor. Um, do you want to share anything about it, Nectarius? No, I think you've said it all. It's enough. Mm. Keep them keep them wanting more. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's super so, exciting because we've seen over the last two years that there are people who want to make a difference and people who want to change the way the system works from within. So we also want to work with the people who just want to be more compassionate, as you said, and want to do something. And people, I mean, we had Noah on the podcast, we had Simon on the podcast, we have spoken to investors who really put a lot of thought in it, but we're also preparing an episode where we talk to more investors specifically about the things that they're thinking of doing and the challenges they faced. Because, yeah, there's enough, enough good people out there and we yeah. want to create more of them. Yeah, and that's the good part, right? Because for a big part, I think even you and I conversation right now is acknowledgement of the hardships and, you know, so the painful experiences. And I think it's really beautiful to see, like it gives me hope to collaborate and build a community of people who actually are coming into this with a good intention, one, and they're already doing some really cool stuff. So pointing into that stuff and what is it learning together um, and growing that community is something that personally really excites me. And I think we can move some needle there 
Um, because often I feel like you don't know what you don't know. Like that was my feeling with that investor who told me about the warm leads and he turned out to be a really nice person. And I think that was just lack of self-awareness or lack of empathy, I would say, mm-hmm. right? Where he maybe didn't ask that question how this can lend. Um, so I do have believe that there is a huge group of people and organizations that might just not be aware, but might be curious. So yeah, it's not all bad and gloomy and ugly. It's <laughs> a wonderful Good. note to end on, Vladi. Mm, beautiful. Okay, guys. So we'll see you in a few weeks and enjoy your summer wherever you are. If you are actually in the summer period, that's what I'm worried. You might also be in winter. But yeah, have a good day, Nectarius. And Chibadi. Bye. You've been listening to Naked by the Future Farm, where entrepreneurship is stripped to its vulnerable core. To learn more about our work, sign up to our newsletter or visit thefuturefarm.co, where you can also apply to be a Naked guest. And remember, subscribe, follow and rate Naked to help share it with the world.